listening to Traumedy, the podcast that helps you take your trauma and transmute it with comedy. I'm Nancy Norton. I'm a comedian, a registered nurse, and a keynote speaker. I love talking about the power of humor. It gets us back into a state of empowerment and helps us cope with all kinds of stress. It also gives us better creative problem solving. It bonds us with others, and it just feels great. It gets rid of a lot of those stress hormones that get stuck in your body. So don't get stuck and know that you're not alone. That's the big purpose of this podcast. Know that other people are going through stuff too, and you can get through this, especially with the help of humor. Stay tuned. This week's episode deals with the follow-up from last week's episode, giving insights about sex offenders, how to protect yourself, and if you are somebody who needs to get help and is perpetrating on children and you don't know how to stop, this week's guest is a licensed professional counselor and has some advice for you. So get help. You don't have to keep doing things that are hurting other people and hurting yourself. I want to give a special acknowledgement to single moms out there. One of my jokes is that I'm a single stay away from home mom. There are some great tips this week on how to keep yourself safe, keep you and your children safe. Welcome to Traumedy. My guest this week is Marla Mueller. She's a licensed professional counselor. Counselor. (laughs) Good teamwork. (laughs) Well, first of all, let's talk about how we met because I think that's interesting. I think it's so great that you approached me after a comedy show. You never know where you're going to meet new friends. So I'm doing a comedy show and I'm talking about my trauma bond and some of the things that go along with having a trauma bond and my affinity for sociopaths. Yeah. Here are a couple of quick clips from my Instagram page that show how I take my pain and play with it around my affinity for sociopaths and the trauma bond that keeps you hooked for years sometimes. So please give yourself some grace. If you've been with somebody for years that you on some level knew that you shouldn't be with, just understand trauma bonds are very powerful and I hope you can get out. I have a type and my type is sociopath. <laughs> and they're not, you know, they're not all serial killers. They're, they're just, you know, they lack empathy, they lack insight, they lie because it's just fun for them. But they are really good in bed, so it is worth it. I'm starting a new dating app called TraumaBond.com. Come on, are you a sociopath? You want to meet a hot codependent? Our theme song is that cheater song from the Pina Colada song. You know what I'm talking about? That old Pina Colada song. Do you like empathy and insight? And get away with your lies? Do you like sneaking around at midnight? Peeping at all the girls on the side. When I'm the empath you've looked for, please take me for a ride and steal my house. Okay. I got to work on the ending. Apparently, one of my former types, I'm going to say former. Former. My therapist tells me to say, I had a type. That's brilliant. Yeah. That's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. <laughs> and so you, uh, you, you and I talked after the show. You definitely got where I was coming from. I, I heard a lot of uh, familiar things <laughs> from you. Yeah, that you've heard in your practice. Yes. yes. And then I further I came out, because I don't think I came out as having dated a sex addict who later told me, he, like at first he said, oh, I was, I'm a, I was addicted to porn. And I was like, ah, no big deal. Then I go, wait, as long as there's no children in the porn. Mm-hmm. Then he paused way too long. And way I was like, oh, bad feeling. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I was already in love. So there was this stair step of uh, coming out to me. And then, oh, I've been, in tr- I've been in recovery for 20 years. And then later he told me other things. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> after coming out to you like oh my gosh then this then this and then he told me he i don't know if the term is voyeured is that a noun that's yes and of and a verb and a verb and an adjective oh right <laughs> he is a voyeur who voyeured that's past mm-hmm. tense yes uh voyeuring yeah yes his stepdaughter 
who was from age 14 to 16, which was like too long to ever do it, but two years. Two years, yeah. And then he got caught. Mm -hmm. And then he went to treatment, supposedly, but he never was held accountable under the law. He never had a record. He's not a registered sex offender. Yeah. I have so many thoughts. <laughs> this. Um, well, and, and, and it's so thank you. I'm going to, and I'm going to pause because I didn't have my Adderall. As you already know, uh, my pattern, you've heard, you've heard the podcast. <laughs> heard the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and you know that I, I have a hard time stop talking. I think this segment is going to be on after Kat, who talks about being married to a sex offender who offended with her daughter, which would be his stepdaughter. Yes. And, and you work with sex offenders. I work with sex offenders. I currently have, um, let's, let's see. Well, I guess altogether, uh, between me and my other counselor, uh, we have 80 sex offenders that we work with. Wow. Yeah. I have about 40 of my own. On your own. Mm -hmm. And you work in like a group setting? We work mostly in group settings. We have one individual a month, but mostly it's one group a month. Or I'm sorry, one group a week, um, which seems to work better. Working in in groups works better. Because is there something that happens in the group setting that's different than individual therapy? There is. There's accountability. And there's recognition. Because the it's not a closed group. There are always open groups. And so we have people in different stages of their growth. And we have people that have been there. The, when the new folks come in, these the folks who have been there for a while recognize the thinking. And they, they help to the newer folks move along faster than they'd be able to if they were coming in doing individuals only. Yes. Yeah, so do they kind of call each other out on their, mm-hmm. oh, what, do you, what would you call those? Denial um, patterns or can, can I say bullshit? <laughs> yeah, you could say bullshit because <laughs> that's what it is. That's yeah. what it is. But it is. I mean, you're right. They have been in denial for so long and it's worked for them. It's a, it's a way to help protect themselves. Um, they deny it to themselves. They deny it to everybody else. Um, and it's protected them. Yeah. Unfortunately, it keeps them from growing and changing and becoming better people. Yeah. Despite the fact that none of them, when they, by the time they come to me, none of them are proud of themselves. None of them are happy about what they've done. Um, and inevitably, they ask me, why did I do this? And that's part of what we work on. We're going to figure this out together. Yeah. Because your story is different from everybody else's. Your reasons are different than everybody else's. Each one has a different, mm-hmm. a different path. Mm-hmm. And one of the things, like I... I'm, you know, I'm in trauma therapy and I'm trying to correct my patterns of behavior that I know I have a lot of character flaws. And, you know, when my ex-boyfriend told me this, I, at first I was like, I can't handle this. It's too much for me. I broke up with him for a week. And then I was, and then I was talking to my friends. I'm still in love. And I, yeah. So I had a conflict. I had a conflict in myself. And I mean, I want to believe in the treatment. I want to believe in the process. And, and I know that some people have a, a really a high success with, with what you're doing, right? There is the potential of high success. Our program takes a bare minimum of three years to get through. Wow. Um, most people somewhere between three and five years. Once they decide to start doing the work, um, the, usually the first year, they're straight out of prison. They think it's all, you know, garbage. And so generally for the first year, they're not doing any work at all. So generally it can take four to, well, I guess four to six years to, to really get to, to the, the deep thing, the, the trauma that they hold and to help to release some of that trauma. Because really that's, for the most part, where that behavior comes from. Sure, it makes sense. Yeah, well, you can't just give them escape, pl- escape plans and expect that they're going to use them. For long term, they'll use them once or twice, but the, the, all of these behaviors we see are in response to their own trauma. If we don't deal with the trauma and we don't lift that trauma, nothing is going to change. Yeah. One of the things you were telling me, and I get this. So most of the people that all the people that come to you are out of prison, Mm -hmm. they're mandated Mm -hmm. to do this. And my ex was not mandated. I think that 
I don't know how, I feel like they gave him an ultimatum or something like that. Like it was, it was very inappropriate, whatever they did, because they didn't report it to the police, right. which was wrong. Because in my opinion, they kicked that shit down the curb mm-hmm. to me. His ex-wife kicked it down the curb to me and the system, the counselors, because he was told, oh, if you do X, Y, and Z, you move out of the house immediately, you start treatment. We don't have to report it to the police. And mm. I, I don't think that's accurate. No. No, and I mean, this was 20 years ago, so right. I don't know if the laws have changed. But point is, you were saying mm-hmm. that most people do not seek help right. until they ha- they've been caught, they've gone to prison, mm-hmm. and that's when you see any amount of success at all right. is right. when they've actually gone to prison. Yep. And, and that's the key. They have to be caught. They have to be caught, and they have to be held accountable. It won't change until that happens. Now, I do have a number of folks who have said to me once they're in the program, gee, I wish I'd known about this while I was committing the offense or before I committed the offenses. Um, I would have definitely come and sought help from you because I was in such a bad place. I question that. (laughs) I don't know that they would have. I don't know that they were motivated to do it at that point. I think that they were doing what worked for them, and that's what they were going to do. They weren't going to seek out help at that point. I wish they would. The help is there if anybody is ever at that point where they realize, you know, I'm doing these things, I'm hurting this person, or, yeah, I, and I just need to get that help. The help is there. Yeah. If they could know that, and also, I guess for me as a recovering codependent, recovering adult child, and my acting out is controlling other people, and I had to hit bottom. Mm-hmm. And I actually did go to jail, yeah. you know for throwing a guitar. So, I mean, that was an awakening. Like I have a problem. That's it. And then also in my recovery work where I saw my patterns of the setup from childhood, the drama that keeps getting recreated over and over the trauma drama. That's it. And are they trying to just, I guess, get out of that sense of powerlessness? I mean, I've always heard that about uh, abuse of all kinds. You know, it's, it's very complicated. There's a lot of different reasons, but an awful lot of them do have power and control problems. They had no power as children. They find it as adults, and it's easier to have power over children than it is to have power over people their own age. That's a big part of it. It's not all, but it's it's definitely a big part of it. Yeah, and if, well, yeah, I'm also probably very familiar if they... Someone acted out on them when they were a child and Mm -hmm. they take the opposite role. Right. But it's also not the only reason. And I do have a fair fair number of clients who come to me and early on, that's what they want to blame it on, that they had been molested as children and that's why I did this. And I'll ask them, well, at what point in your life did you promise yourself you would never do that to a child? This thing, this terrible thing that was done to you. And inevitably, they say, I, I told myself I would never do that to another kid. Yeah. Why did you? Yeah. They can't answer that at first. We get to it eventually. <laughs> but I can't tell them because they're not going to believe me. And I mean, honestly, I don't know because I don't know their stories. As they start to unravel those stories, we start to figure things out. And it takes a while. These horrible things happened. These horrible things are happening and if anyone could hear this and get help, like if you're, if you're struggling with something like, I wish I wouldn't do this, there is some place that they could get help. Like, where would they go? How would they know how to, like, what do you Google? I need help with, a, you know, because then I know they're at risk of going to prison. That's terrifying mm-hmm. for them because it's basically they're going to confess mm-hmm. something. I mean, what's the proper thing? First of all, get out of that house. That's the thing with my ex. I was like, why didn't you just leave the house immediately? Run away. That's the number one escape plan that we try to, in, you know, get these guys to understand. It's an escape plan. It's not going to fix anything. But in that moment, you're keeping yourself and everybody else safe. Get out. Uh, uh, okay. And talk to somebody. And there's, there needs to be a safe person to talk to. Mm-hmm. And there needs to be a place that they can go to get help. Right. And unfortunately, most of us don't advertise because like you mentioned, I get all of my clients from probation and parole and they're just sent to me. So honestly, if you want that help, you know, it might be contacting your local probation and parole office. They would be happy to give you those resources and the counselors would be happy to take you. They're going to, you know, get your backstory and they're going to help you with that, hopefully. Um, 
and uh, you know, probation and parole officers are overwhelmed. They don't want more clients. They are definitely going to help you if you're going if you ask for it. And and you just to get preemptive help and start getting at the root of your issue. That's it. Oh, that would be so courageous. It would for that to happen. It really would. Yeah, that would yes. be so cool. I would. Like, I'm going to visualize that people getting help before they act out on it, or stop acting out and go get help, and then. What about people like old Nance, who has a boyfriend Mm -hmm. who's like, you know, charming and handsome and my goodness, you know, fun dancing and laughing and then in love. And then they start slowly but surely saying these things. And and where (laughs) I have this is where the trauma for me comes in. Like, oh, I mean, I can miss a few hundred red flags. Let me just say and. The part that I argued with, that's the part I want to talk about. How do we keep ourselves safe and our kids safe? Because I have a child. Yes. Now, he said his type was a female, but I mean, I I don't don't know 100%. I mean, I've heard it doesn't always matter what the sex is. No. No, it doesn't. That's a problem, and I feel so bad that I brought this person. I let them come back into my house, and then it. After five years, and even his therapist told me, oh, yeah, we seem doing great. Like, I checked with both of his therapists. I yeah. I wanted it to work. This is, the, this is what I, here's the thing. Desperate people do desperate things, and I was really desperate for connection. I have to own it. Right. Well, I wanted a partner so bad, and he ticked all these boxes. Oh, except for this little insipitsy problem. Of being a sex offender, even though he says, I'm not a sex offender because he was never... He was never convicted. No, but that doesn't mean... He still offended. He did offend. Yes. And it was illegal. So I guess my question is what... Talk about maybe your parts... Okay. ...that that gave you... That had those red flags and you pushed them away and said, I'm not listening to you. Those... They were trying to tell you something. Yeah. Yeah. So... Parts, we've been talking on here a little bit about parts work and I'm in my recovery with as an adult child, we're doing simple parts work, you know, my inner child who's up to like age, whatever, adolescence, I would say, and then my inner teenager, my inner critical parent, and then my loving parent, me, I'm supposed to, that's, that is the solution in my program is to become your own loving parent. Mm -hmm. So what, here's the things I didn't listen to. Okay. The lo- First of all, I didn't think I was, uh, uh, I think at that time I was still operating as a, I hadn't gone into that program mm-hmm. uh, for either codependency or as an adult child. So I was operating from a child's perspective and I think it was my inner child that really loved him. Yeah. My very young child who just wanted somebody that like, he had this sense of, oh, I don't know if you reminded me of my dad, like he's going to be the protector. And he had this timber in his voice that felt strong and he was independently wealthy and I'm I you know I'm working as a as a uh, comedian (laughs) and not feeling confident that I I'm enough Mm -hmm. to provide for my family even though he never provided for my family in fact anyway that's another thing but point is so my inner child really liked him and we had a lot of fun we played ping pong we played games I used to play with my grandma I mean I, I can look back on this and go oh my inner child just loved this guy yeah and then my inner teenager fucking hated him. Mm. Like, I did not listen to Virginia Vengeance. <laughs> like, don't, don't ignore Virginia Vengeance. I will never <laughs> ignore her again. I think that's the thing. And she's very intuitive and she's really in my gut. Okay, now some of you may be wondering, who the heck is Virginia Vengeance? That is the name of my inner teenager who protects my inner child from predators <laughs> so and other children as well and the helpless little animals virginia vengeance is a voice for the voiceless she protects the little virgins and i think she was kind of born out of my own sexual assault at 15 she kind of came out of that sense of powerlessness when i went to a rodeo and met this 26 year old man who seemed very nice at the time and then well i We don't need to go into that too much more. Let's all take some deep breaths. And Virginia Vengeance (laughs) is just uh, my inner teenager. So back to the conversation with Marla. 
mm-hmm. not liking at all. 100%. She was so angry with me that I made her be in this relationship. Mm-hmm. And so I was always a little like, Ugh, there's always this, this toxic energy that really wasn't fair to him, honestly, because right. she fucking hated him. Right? <laughs> but, she would tell him quite often. Yes, and isn't that what we do as women? And I'm generalizing here, but okay. as, as women, we tend to shut those parts of us down, those red flags, those parts of us that are trying to warn us and tell us desperately that we are in danger. We are with a dangerous human being. Yeah. And we, we've been, we've been taught from childhood. That's not what good girls do. (sighs) We don't listen to that part. We play nice. Yeah. We do what the boy wants. And then we ignore this part of us that is so angry. It feels irrational. It's so angry. And also intellectually, this is the piece. Because I do think he was a sociopath because it fits my pattern. And he lied. Uh, at the end of the relationship, I caught him in a bunch of lies. But he lied. And he he lied about his recovery. He never worked through the steps. He didn't do the real work of it. And all, all through it, I, I said, I'm not going to feel safe. And that was a part of me. And you know what? I will give her credit. Virginia Vengeance was, you know, kind of shut everything down. And I'm gesturing towards my pelvis. <laughs> like <laughs> I was like, my hearts and parts go together. And this is off limits, man. Because mm-hmm. he violated a trust like maybe a year and a half in where I, I mean, he, t- he came out to me like, oh, you know, I, I had a slip and I was watching porn or something. Mm. I was just like, and then he did that intermittently enough where I was like, I don't feel safe. And I, I never, this is the thing I think would be a, clue is I never heard him say he felt bad about what he did in a way that embodied it. Mm -hmm. Like he might've said it flippantly like, Oh oh yeah, I felt bad about it like that, but not in his body where, you know, when you fold in half, when you're ashamed of yourself or you go, Oh, or you cry, he'd never showed remorse. True recovery. You would see that remorse. I never saw it, never saw remorse. And I'm Uh still like saying it really loudly because (laughs) I mean, there is a part of me, my little inner child, I have to keep telling her, no, he is not safe. He fooled you and he, and he fooled, I don't know what other parts of me. But in the end, thank God, caught him in a major lie and done. Done. That's it. I'm so relieved. But see, he didn't really do the recovery work. He didn't have your program. Right. Yeah. If he had been doing your program, it might have been a different story. Might have. And if he had shown true remorse ever, you know. Mm -hmm. If you're with somebody who when they say, I'm sorry, you don't feel like, I, yeah. I mean, you know how I, I can feel when someone says, I'm sorry, like they, right. you feel, feel it in it. your body. Yeah. Oh, my favorite one is I apologize. Uh, so you're handing me this apology. Like, no, I, I, I don't, I don't feel that you feel my pain. If you're just handing me an apology, I want to know that you truly feel uh, empathize. Yeah. With, with my pain, with the pain you caused. Yeah. And you can feel that. Yeah. In the end, when we broke up, this I have to laugh because I broke up with him on a on a Zoom session with our, <laughs> with our couples therapist because I didn't want to throw another guitar um, like I did with the last sociopath. Way to keep yourself safe. Nice I kept job. myself safe. <laughs> I no, but seriously, I didn't trust that Virginia Vengeance wasn't going to come out and be so you know. I mean, she's really hate. She hated this guy for hurting that girl yeah. more than I think. Who knows? I don't know what that girl what her process is. He said that he ran into her somewhere and she ran up and gave him a hug and like, as if all is forgiven. And I just thought, well, maybe they find all kinds of ways to excuse their behavior. There's yeah. And whether it happened or it didn't, you know, we victims tend to um, express that, that trauma in interesting ways. Um, and sometimes it does look like that. I've had clients who've had the, the person that they victimized show up on their doorstep and they're apologizing. The, the, the victim is. Yeah, the victim is, is doing the apologizing. I <sighs> mean, yeah, yeah, it's just very sad. So, um, you know, using that as an excuse is, is horrific in my mind. It, oh, she came up and, and gave me a hug? Well, I mean, then that says there was some major trauma here. I think he thought it meant, oh, All is forgiven. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, I'm really frustrated that he's not, he doesn't have a sex offender stamp right at his house. Like, I, I, like now 
if I date someone, I'm definitely going to research mm-hmm. that. Yes. I mean, that's a tool. It is. But if they've slipped through the cracks, it doesn't work. So that's where we have to use our gut. And you have to use your gut. Absolutely. And the gut is really. Yes. And uh, yeah, we talked a little bit about the book. Um, my my oh, new favorite yeah. book. Right. Um, for women, especially women who are a single um, and have children. Uh, I think in particular, before you start uh, dating, that it's really important to read how to spot a dangerous man before you get involved. Before you get involved. Yes. That's key because yes. I've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. Once I have had uh, sexual relations, I'm going to say it. Yep. This is how comfortable I am at this age to say sexual relations. <laughs> uh, like I said, I mean, the oxytocin is powerful. Yes. And that bond that mm-hmm. happens, Yes, that I just fell really in love. And then I've, I don't, I, I, I just overruled mm-hmm. either my gut or my, or my logic yeah. or my, even my mothering instincts. This is where I feel so bad for any woman oh, that a child has come to harm in, in our, in our care, because it is the worst thing for a mom to feel like we dropped our, our role as protector, that we didn't protect our child. And yeah. these people are good at fooling us. So mm-hmm. we got to give ourselves a little grace, yes. but but still, but yeah, read so what, that book. What is it called again? Um, how to spot a dangerous man before you get involved. Man, I, I already see a highlighter. Like I, I need to get the book yes. and I need to get I, a highlighter. Yeah. And for those who aren't great at reading or don't like to read that you can always find it on audiobooks. And I think it's, it's an old enough book. Um, so it, there's some dated language in it. I'll give you that right now, but it is still a very good book. Um, but it's free on a lot of the um Play all the places you can find audiobooks. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah. And then I'll put that in the show link so you'll see the author. And I may even mention it, you know, here I can insert edit. I like it. Her name <laughs> is, it's a, written by a woman. And yes. and by dated, you mean because there's a lot of heterosexual relationships yes. instead of yeah. same sex and mm-hmm. then the gender. Is there anything that stands out to you that you learned that was like surprising? Um, that just helped, you know what I mean? Like that was like, oh, wow, that marker I might have missed. Well, I don't think that it was surprising. I think it's just for me affirming because of everything that I've, everybody that I work with, uh, just the, you know, how incredibly nice and, and kind and giving these men can seem. And that's how they, that's how they groom. And a lot of times they're not grooming the children. They're grooming, grooming the parents. Oh, and that's a lot of times where it can start. And, you know, and I have an awful lot of new clients, uh, more recent clients who are uh, child porn. And I don't know how much research really, I mean, they're still doing it with, with child pornography right now. The research is the, still happening with the child stats around that are, yeah. Um, but the hands on, um, my hands on clients, people who've actually touched children, um, they, uh, gosh, I think it's around 80% of at least my clients, I don't know what it is for other people, um, who um, they touched their stepchildren. It's not their own children. It's not a stranger. It's not a friend's kid, generally. It's almost almost always a stepchild. Wow. Yeah. Oh, so we really, as single moms, we need to be so careful. Absolutely. But they are so charming and just so giving, and, and, they, and they seem very docile, with you with the adults yeah now my son is 18 he looks 25 and I guess I can kind of relax a little bit mm-hmm. <laughs> which is I mean blessing. I'm grateful to, for, for that honestly mm-hmm. because I haven't uh, wanted to, to get involved um, and I do think I kept my son safe but I mean this is a joke my son makes because I told him everything at the end because what happened and maybe I already mentioned, I know I mentioned it to you, but not here, but I've, I've never really talked about this openly. It's really hard for me to say it because I felt like such a failure at my job of protecting my son to let this person in my house. I broke up with him on this couple's session and then he was so weird. Like he, I, I said, look, I can never feel safe again. I was really trying to stay in my adult self and not let Virginia Vengeance talk. Sure. I was sipping tea out of one of my grandmother's cups trying to like be a mature adult, mm. you know, come from your higher self place and just say, I will never trust you. And this needs to end now. And we are done. I caught you in the lie. And we can, I can never, ever, ever believe you again. 
And it was like his face, he just flipped a switch. He dropped his charade Mm -hmm. and he just started talking to the therapist about an eye twitch issue that he has. He was like, excuse me. And I'm going to, I'll call her Karen. So I don't use her name. I don't know if it matters, but (laughs) Karen, this eye twitch you've mentioned to me, it was like a robot. He was like, is it, he wanted to get information about himself. Mm -hmm. It was like, he was paying for that session. He wanted to get information. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. It was over between us. He yeah. saw that. I was actually very clear. Mm-hmm. He hadn't, he was no, he was like, Oh, I'm so sorry. I lied to you. I'm so sorry. Now you can't believe anything that happened in the five years we dated. You probably don't believe me. He didn't say anything about being sorry. I'm going to miss you. Anything. No. He said, uh, so Karen, this eye twitch, is it my left eye or my right eye? And then this therapist who never would believe me when I said, I think he's a sociopath. Mm-hmm. She looked at me and she goes, which I don't know. Do, do you know, Nancy? And I was like, I don't give a I shit. Don't care. I don't care. <laughs> this is not on. This is not on the agenda. Yeah. We uh, are done. Right. Yeah. Well, but, and it can be a little disarming. I, I've seen that happen so many times. I've, as you can imagine, several sociopathic clients and that's exactly what you see. It's a complete shift. And it's like, Everything that was just said and, and, and that person who was sitting in front of you is just gone. And, and when does that happen? Like when the jig is up? Y- yeah. When, when you're like, when oh. they've, I, I think that must be what's happening is they just realize, okay, this path isn't going to work for me. Okay, done. Let's put that aside and move to something that's now interesting for me. And there is no emotion there. You, you know, they can put on emotion. It looks like emotion, but yeah. they, they don't have any emotion. There's uh, none there. He did like, well, I taught him, this is where I feel so bad. I taught him cognitive empathy. I actually read like <laughs> how to teach empathy. Oh gosh. I know I'm part of the problem. <laughs> now he's out there and I, 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 if I run into him, I definitely, and I know this sounds like Virginia vengeance and it is, but not just Virginia vengeance, but there's a protective part of me. If I see him with a woman, I'll be, oh, by the way, you do know. He was a sex offender. Like, you need to know that. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, well. But here's my son's joke. This is terrible. I mean, it's not even funny, actually. It is and it isn't. This is the way a lot of humor comes from. And I said, well, you know, thank God. Like, oh, so he wrote him a letter. Like, my son was 17. He was graduating high school. He wrote him a letter and said, oh, I'd love us to continue to Mm -hmm. get together, go to the movies. I love your art. You're so amazing. He did Uh all these little charming things. Yeah. And then, uh, my son, you know, I told, I said, oh, look, if you run into this guy, here's, I had to tell him because he's obviously still wanting a relationship with you Mm -hmm. and you need to know his history. And I go, but tell me, did anything ever happen Mm -hmm. with you? And he said, no, none that I know of. Because Hmm. he was a voyeur. Right. We don't know. You don't know. Shit. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Ouch. Mm -hmm. Fuck. (laughs) All of those words. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I have to laugh because it's otherwise it's like, oh. Yeah. But I don't think so. I do think he was on his very best behavior here. My theory is he was using me as a front. That he, it looks like he's with an age appropriate woman Mm -hmm. and then he can carry on Mm -hmm. doing his little subreddit porn because when i asked yeah. him are there any child in his pornography he goes oh uh that shows up in my feed once in a while but i don't like it <laughs> and now i've talked to a lot of men who watch pornography and nobody has said that I, every once in a while child pornography shows up in their feed right that's bullshit right. you were on some site mm-hmm. either seeking yeah. barely legal right barely legal they put that uh-huh. in as a code for yes, underage do. girls yes they do i'm angry i'm sorry virginia vengeance is pissed i nope. gotta settle down no <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think you do. You know, this is women protecting women and children. Yes. Uh, we have to. We yeah. absolutely have to. Yeah. And I'm just so, I mean, ooh, I really resent that he is using the 12-step program as a voucher and using yeah. these therapists. That's the danger of sociopaths going to therapy. I heard that mm-hmm. it gives them information. Yeah. As a therapist, what do you do with that? Well, first of all, I have groups. I do group sessions. Okay. That's so you're protecting. another thing that helps Helps everybody yeah. um, more. And I'm, <laughs> whenever I have a, a sociopath in group, and it's fairly obvious, but I will have clients who stay after group and they're like, that guy's really creepy. <laughs> like, what if they're a really they're, charming sociopath like my ex? Because he was in groups. No, it still shows through. Um, really? Yeah, yeah. I they, don't know. His therapist didn't seem to see it. Oh, well, I mean, 
<laughs> I don't, I can't speak to that. I know. Um, well, I know. I'm and, just frustrated. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, I wonder how many therapists use their, uh, use their gut as well. Uh, their intuition. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like a lot of us have had that beaten out of us because especially if you tend to have to go to court a lot oh. um, because you have to have solid proof of certain things. Okay. And I've given that up. I, I can't be a good therapist if I'm not using my intuition, especially with, with uh, psychopaths. Yeah. <clears throat> and I, you know, if I can't prove it in court, that's fine. I know I'm a good therapist. I don't have to prove anything in court. That's so you present, you right. do share your, you share your intuitive and your, you yeah. do share, you can share that in, in court. I can. Your gut knowledge. Yeah. The attorneys may not like it and they may not take it into evidence, but that's what I have. And I'm not an attorney and I'm not a cop and that's not my job. My job is to help people get better. And that's, I'm going to stay true to that. Yeah. So, and if you push your intuition away, you can't do it. Well, and again, I don't want to just vent on my ex or vent on these guys. But, and I do, and honestly, I have compassion for sociopaths because I do know in, in, they are doing their best mm-hmm. and they are, but we don't have to be around them, but we need to recognize them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, get, get a nice drink of cool water. <laughs> Cheers to Cheers. recovery and to trusting our gut. Indeed. Don't yeah. let, don't let anybody talk you out of it. Yeah. Your gut will never lead you astray man mine mine I when I look back I'm like dang Mm -hmm. so many times I talk myself out of it because of different parts that were so needy Mm -hmm. that I suppressed other parts like my little girl self so desperate for attunement and connection and love and security and all those things that I didn't get as a child Mm -hmm. and you know I have to own my part in that that I hadn't healed her now I'm healing her yeah. And those people, I am my own loving parent. I definitely huh? can provide for myself, my son, my home, yes. pay all my own bills. I don't need right. anybody. I don't want to be dependent. That's it. 100%. And at that point, then you can see and welcome kind, loving souls into your world. And you're not going to allow those that set off your red flags because yeah. you are so aligned with yourself and you are so confident in yourself that those who are going to hurt you or hurt those that you love, you won't allow them into your world. I, and I, I, yeah, I just don't think I, that because I'm not so desperate now, yeah. I, I feel like it makes it easier for me to trust trust all those parts working together yes. and doing this work, integrating mm-hmm. the parts so that yeah. we are communicating with them. I guess. Is that? I, yeah. I mean, I communicate with my part. <laughs> so, we have long discussions. <laughs> I know. And I love today is, is a special day that we went and took the parts, our, our young, our young selves to the yes, art store and yes. get some art supplies. Indeed, I love that. I love going on play dates, yes. but I think it's so great when we're conscious of it. Yeah. And like, Hey, let's take our, like even my recovery group, we take our inner, ch- our children out for play dates. Exactly. And let them, I mean, I still love playing. I'm yes, still a kid inside. Absolutely. And that's healthy. We just don't need them to be in charge, <laughs> but we thank you. Yeah. So that's where I need to really, that's right. Discern yeah. between them being in charge and that's the difference. Yeah. Let but the loving parent play. or what is your term? Your authentic self, authentic self. And yes. my, my term is loving parent loving being your own loving parent. Either mm-hmm. authentic self sounds great. Yes. Yes. So that's from internal family systems therapy. Yeah. Which is, yeah, that's very similar to what you're working on, what you're doing. Yeah. We, we realize when we're reading this, this guidebook that we feel it is based on that, but it's been simplified, I think, for the purpose of this mm-hmm. pr- program. Gotcha. But, but you're teaching me too, that there's all these nuances of parts, yes. you know, not just inner child and teenager, but it's, it's a, it's a good place to start. It is a great place to start. It really is. How can you tell the difference between a kind and generous soul mm-hmm. and a manipulative love bomber? Like, is there a, is there a feeling or? Well, first it- of all, you read the book. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And so the nuances are in the book. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They, it lays it out perfectly in the, the different categories of these types of dangerous men as well. And, and there's, there's, um things that you could do to figure out what, which types of these men that you're the most uh, attracted to. So that I would definitely start there. But okay. yeah, I think the next thing for you, for, for all of us women is to spend time 
Don't don't jump in the sack. Become friends first. Yeah, that's what. Oh, we were just saying that. Yeah, because we do have that oxytocin release with physical with physical touch, especially intimate physical touch. It's just scientific proof behind that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we need to, you know, slow it down a little bit. Get to know them. And when you do have those questions, when you do have those gut feelings, look at those. Don't push them away. Pay attention to them. What's going on here or what's happening? Yeah. Give them a, give them a voice. Mm-hmm. Sit with them. Have dialogue. Mm-hmm. Do some writing. One yes. of the things I've learned in my program, if you write with your non-dominant hand, mm-hmm. sometimes it's like a way of yeah. bypassing that other part of the brain that's like what we should be feeling. Right. And so sometimes yeah. I'll sit and I'll have dialogue with my inner child or, you know, mm-hmm. let Virginia Vengeance have another mm-hmm. say. Yeah. But. I yeah, don't, I don't know about you. When I write with my non-dominant hand, it looks like my handwriting from when I was five. Right, it looks exactly like it. Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah. So it feels, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and drawing, we also have done drawings mm-hmm. and stuff like that with the non-dominant hand yeah. to let, like help help her or or them yes. express. In my yeah. case, I don't know. Sure. Uh, you know, when I was a little kid, I definitely felt like a little boy. So they're they're whatever. I'm gonna say them. Right. And I love that, you know, you're talking about women specifically, but now, you know, as somebody who is at least bisexual, probably mm-hmm. I'm saying now, I like that I'm learning these new terms, the pansexual. Yes. I mean, I just love yeah. whoever I love. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have to be a man. No. There are no, dangerous absolutely. women out yes. there. And men also can get in with a sociopathic woman and yeah. be completely taken back. So absolutely. just apply. I appreciate you making that switch yeah apply your own gender bending to or you know yeah if you even subscribe to gender i do i have unsubscribed (laughs) (laughs) i have taken myself off the mailing list (laughs) mailing list i never thought of it as having a little bit of a term (laughs) all right oh goodness (laughs) okay we can edit that out I love, I love your dad jokes. They're wonderful. Oh, is it? yeah. Thank you. My Uncle Nance. That's Those right. are my Uncle Nance. Uncle Nance jokes. My Uncle Nance jokes. Well, I didn't mean it. Like, I didn't, I just heard it, like, taking myself off the mailing list. Uh, mailing, femaling list. So, now, anything, <laughs> what helps you? What helps you? Is there anything that you can laugh about that helps you? Because you're dealing with this day after day I after am. day. Yeah. And how do you not look at the world as a really dangerous place? Well, that's <laughs> a good question. <laughs> you know, I think I compartmentalize pretty well. But, yeah. you know, a, a huge part of it is really just leaving it in the office. When I leave, I leave. And Do I, you have a ritual or anything? Or do I, you? I used to. Um, my, my ritual is more prior to going in with my clients. Uh, I, I think I just do it automatically now where I imagine a, a bubble around me so that I can be with my clients. They can see me. I can see and hear them. I can I can be there with the emotion, but I, it never comes to me. It, their emotion is never mine. Oh, that's it, so amazing. Yeah. So I can feel it from the outside, but it never goes inside of me, mm. which was a big problem when I first started. So when I, when I met another clinician who taught me this technique, it was a life changer for me. And so it's, it's really kept me from getting burnt out. It just lets me have everything outside of the bubble. And yet I can still be completely present while I'm with my clients. And then once they're gone, gone, I can take the bubble off and then I go home and I just become myself. You know, I, I, I open up to the other parts. So, you know, I do have a clinician part and that part is there. Then I say, you know what, it's time for the clinician to take a break and I will, you know, other parts can play or whatever. And, you know, it might look like going to a comedy show. (laughs) (laughs) And quite, it it quite often is actually. Yeah. Yeah. You have to laugh. I know. It really does make a difference. It does. And is there anything, okay, I love, first of all, I just want to acknowledge the bubble technique, which I think is really powerful. And I'm, here's what I, my question is, and I have this problem as a recovering codependent who had a tendency to have other people's emotions for them. Mm-hmm. I, maybe I need to learn this bubble technique in day-to-day living. Absolutely. Is that a healthy thing? I think it is. To acknowledge. Yes. I know when I was talking to my former therapist who I did brain spotting with, who mm-hmm. she was an amazing therapist. And I was telling her I was starting this podcast, but my only concern is that, am I going to get 
too much trauma, vicarious trauma in my body. Right. And she was trying to help me understand the difference between empathy and compassion. Mm-hmm. Like she can have compassion without actually, with the empathy is when you embody it. Right. Right. Well, yeah. I yeah. don't know. I, I, I would mean, say that that's probably a very good definition of empathy. Um, but as when we feel we, another person's feeling, when we feel, yeah. Empathize. And sometimes, sometimes if you're in a relationship with somebody, that's very helpful, right? We want to be able to empathize with those that we love so that we can be there for them. We don't need to be there for everybody. Thank you. That's where I need to work on that. Mm-hmm. And other people don't have to be there for me. That's yeah. another thing. That's it. Like the guy at the Xfinity store today. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> oh, man. Yes. Virginia Vengeance was really she, coming up there. She did a good job. Well, she I felt like well. my loving parent kept her a little in check mm-hmm. and yet let her. I don't know which part of me was, but I was, I felt it might have been my inner critical parent that was like, now, Caden, I do believe <laughs> that you can do better than this. Like I really could not believe anyway that he could not make a phone call to tier right. to tier two to tier support. Two. Yes. <laughs> tier yes. three. But. Call tier three support. I yeah. need a shipping label stat. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I was there's I have to catch my here's what I had to laugh at myself <laughs> about afterwards. I told this person on six one one support that it was an emergency. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I dialed six one one for an Xfinity. I dialed a, I need tier three stat. I dialed an Xfinity emergency, and uh, I'm glad you were there to witness it. I guess I could tell you were like, now is it possible you were doing the little? Can we do this instead? <laughs> is it possible you could just put? Yeah, it was a twelve hundred dollars. Listen, you guys, this is twelve hundred dollars. If I don't get these phones returned, we traded in our phones for a six hundred dollar rebate each phone. Uh, that's $1,200 for a single mom. Are you kidding me? Right. Do you know lot. how much food I can buy? How many mm-hmm. mac and cheese boxes? <laughs> it was an emergency. <laughs> right. <laughs> like one box of eggs at least. <laughs> at Whole Foods. At Whole Foods. <laughs> Man. Okay. Well, that was, yeah, it's good to laugh at ourselves when, when we yes. can reflect on like, okay, I got mm-hmm. a little triggered, although it wasn't as bad as some, I didn't throw anything. I don't believe I even did any swearing. Not I'm even not, a little bit. But I was very stern yes. and I was very much like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. But turns out there really was nothing else he could do. There is no human on tier three. It is AI or whatever. It is AI. And that's our little <laughs> shout out to, if you need uh, customer support from Xfinity, you're not going to get past tier two. Yes. Sorry. <clears throat> we just need to know that. And Walking will, in. And it will take at least 48 <laughs> hours, 48 to 72 hours to hear back on an email. All right. <laughs> I got that out of my system. <sighs> How about you? What That's else better. do you need to get out of your system? You do what the else? bubble technique. I do the bubble technique. What other, then, do you do any, I know this is delicate as huh? a therapist, because yeah. as a nurse, I am teaching nurses that it is okay to use dark humor, oh. that you actually need it. Yes. You came to one of those shows yes. where I am preaching it. I love like, it. Because nurses, and yes. I think oh. uh, a lot of caregivers are like, oh, I couldn't possibly laugh at their expense. Oh, no. No, we we laugh all the time. <laughs> I, I just, you know, I, I just, I don't think that, you can have a group of of traumatized men in a room and do actual real therapy nonstop. You have to have humor. We laugh all the time. Oh, in the group. In you the laugh. group. I thought yes. maybe after you closed the door and you burst oh, your no. bubble, no, I was no. like, "Holy shit!" No, but that's a big part. That's you helps ever... me as okay. well because okay. I can again see these people as humans because there are there is that danger of yeah. of of getting to that point of seeing these men as as evil villains. And I mean, what they did was terrible. It was awful, horrible. But they're human. And until I yeah. can get, and if I can't see them as human, I can't help them. Yeah, you can't connect with their humanness. Exactly. And, and laughter is a part of that. Yes. yes. And I want to hear a success story. Just one. Gosh. Like, is there one There's, where you're like, or is there several? Are there several? Oh, there's so many. So many there's where many. you feel confident yes. that there's a man walking around now mm-hmm. who has done the deep, deep work Mm -hmm. of his own trauma work, knows where the pain came from Mm -hmm. and is an empowered person now. And you feel confident that he would never. Oh gosh, I have so many like that. In fact, you know, I have clients that that 
graduate my program and they come back and they check in with me and you know, we talk about how their lives are going and and it's just amazing and they they'll bring up the the different aspects of what we talked about in group and they'll curse my name because they're still doing the work in their own heads and I'm like yes mission accomplished <laughs> mission accomplished and, and yeah because when that voice becomes their own yes when they have their own check and balance mm-hmm. system inside like what would maybe they yes. have a bracelet what would Marla Muller do? <laughs> I love that. I love that plan. <laughs> I'm going to make those up. That'd I think you should hand those out. Hand those out at the meeting. Exactly. That's really cool. Well, yes. I man, I just want to tell you, thank you for doing the work you are doing that very few are willing to do. You know, I you know, it's the best job I've ever had and I I seems so strange to say that, but I just feel like I'm actually making a difference. You are. And it's, yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. Thank so, you. Thank I'm, you. And thank you for laughing with me. Of course, anytime. And making fun of me sometimes. <laughs> you got to do that sometimes yeah. too, right? Yeah, I really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Marla. And until next time. Tune in again <laughs> next week. Next week. Yeah, I don't know what's uh, happening next week. But I thank you for listening uh, to the podcast. Always. And also for coming to that comedy show. I'm so glad I met you because it's been a really great, for me, a growth relationship where I'm learning from you with your internal family systems. And I, I really appreciate it. I, I feel like we met at the right time in the right place and we just needed each other at that point. I appreciate you so much and and. Thank you for having me on. Yay. Yay. Thanks. (laughs) Have a good week. You too. I want to thank my guest, Marla Mueller. Please check the show notes for resources. We have the book there that she mentions, and there's a resource for internal family systems work. I want to thank my son for helping with the music for Traumedy. And please know that we're here for you. If you want to reach out to us, you can reach out to me through my website, www.nancynorton.tv. That's Nancy, N-A-N-C-Y-N-O-R-T-O-N.tv, like television. Thanks for listening and keep laughing no matter what.